In a world full of anger, strife, and plagues, a constant struggle is battled out between good and evil, right and wrong. And for over seven years, the IndieCast is here to try to make you forget all of that. With interviews, pop culture talk, and the best in sexual innuendo. So sit back and relax as Chad, Zach, and Luna welcome you to the IndieCast. Exclusively on the Wrestling Nerds Radio Network. Greetings, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the IndieCast. I am Zach Romero. Joining me here, as always, is uh, the best co-host a somewhat wrestling-related podcast could ever hope for, Chad <laughs> Allen. Chad, hi guys. So, a somewhat wrestling-related podcast. That if that that why is that not on a shirt? If that's the best be. description for the indie cast I've ever heard of, I don't know what it is. But we are. I will stick stick with that. We will be somewhat wrestling-related on this episode as well because right. we've put in some cheat codes. We pulled out our game genies. We've pulled out all the stops, and joining us for the very first time on this episode is none other than the GameCube Game Changer, the Stunner Switch Boy, the master of the Goomba Stomp, the one and only Big Game Leroy. Wow, what an introduction. Like, that was awesome. Thank you. Oh, man. In a previous I life, that. I was a ring announcer, so we'll, <laughs> I, 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 get, I get the it. spots I get. <laughs> I don't want to take you along the road with me. <laughs> I, it'll, it'll, okay. be back. it'll be back one day, Zach, I promise. One, one day you'll get a mic again in your hand. So, so Leroy, uh, thank you so much for joining us on the IndieCast. Um, now, you are no stranger to podcasts. Uh, you've you've uh, popped in on, on, on all kinds of different wonderful shows and, and uh Shows that are not nearly as organized as ours, and so <laughs> we want to. Wow, we what want a shot to, already! We want to cut cut right to the core and blow through as many boring and bland, uh, run of the mill podcast questions that you've been asked undoubtedly a thousand times in a little segment that we like to call the lightning round. And so Chad will run through these questions, and you answer them as uh, detailed or as uh, succinctly as you feel necessary. So Chad, please take it away. Lightning yeah. round, question number one, and let's get the dumb one out of the way first. Who trained you, and when did you debut? Uh, the Amazing Red trained me, and my in-ring debut was in 2016, September of 2016. Hmm. Very nice. Uh, question number two, what is your first wrestling memory? Oof, my, my earliest wrestling memory, I was probably three or four years old. It was an episode of Raw and The Rock cutting a promo. I remember laughing. That's all I can remember of the promo. <laughs> good, good. I mean, that's... the man literally just spoke in t-shirts, so that's good. That, that was uh, question number three. Uh, what is the best video game soundtrack? Oh, that is a tough one. I'm going to cheat a little bit, and I will say uh, during my middle school day, uh, no, not middle school, high school, my high school days, there was a Legend of Zelda 25th anniversary soundtrack that was released. It was a special edition that came with Skyward Sword. And I love that soundtrack to this day. Occasionally, I'll dust off the disc and throw on my laptop, and I love it. It has all. It has like an orchestrated version of all these best Zelda hits from over the years, and it's it's just amazing. I love it. Um, not in the lightning round, but I'm interested. Have you ever gotten to see? And I, they've come around Florida a couple times. Well, not recently, obviously. COVID, thanks. Um, <laughs> to uh, any time that you see the orchestra, the orchestral version of. 
like video games where they're playing the video game on the big screen and the orchestra's playing it? Uh, I have not seen it ever live, but I watched a bunch of those on YouTube. Here you go. That's next best thing. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> if you get a chance to if you get a chance to catch one live, they're amazing. I highly recommend it. Um, so, so before Chad, before you get to the next question, yes, uh, Leroy. Before we started the show, Chad and I did have a brief discussion about the um, the unyielding fear that the both of us have that at any moment in this interview, either of us could just turn to dust. Right. Because we are both considerably older. And so <laughs> I feel like there's a risk that we're going to make references to video games. You're going to be like, fellas, I've got no idea what you're talking about. So wow, I have crazy. So I have <laughs> like I have one of these questions already on, on lock. And I'm afraid that I could turn to dust early. Um, oh man, I mean, is you, Thanos hi- is hiding around or something? Like, I, I, yeah, I, I, think can feel, I can feel I'm turning into a dry bones as I speak. Um, so uh, nice. you mentioned you mentioned the the Legend of Zelda soundtrack when you were in um, you said high school. Do you ever remember? And I don't think I don't even think Chad's gonna really know what the hell I'm talking about. But there was definitely in the days of like uh, so music sharing when it was just sort of the wild west and like iTunes wasn't a thing yet. Um, there was a song, there was a, um, a, the song for the main theme for legend of Zelda and it had lyrics put to it. And everybody always assumed it was system of a down who sang it, but it wasn't, it was some other band that had done a cover of it. But I distinctly remember there being like, Oh, system of a down did a cover of legend of Zelda. And I remember just like downloading that and getting viruses on my parents' computer and listening <laughs> to, to that song. Link, here come to town. Come to save the Princess Zelda. Gone and poker away. Now the children don't play, but they will when Link saves the day. Hallelujah. Does that even remotely move any nostalgia in your brain or am I talking I, No, I feel like I remember some type of a hard cover. Like, System of Down, System of Down isn't what rang a bell, but it's like I do I do remember this hardcore like Zelda, the original Zelda theme cover that yes. was sick. I don't think I've listened to it. Also, I do have a lot of nostalgia for that era of uh, music, uh, LimeWire. Like that was yes, like- okay, yes, <laughs> yes. So yes, this was definitely a song that everyone downloaded on LimeWire, and it was and because again, it was full just internet describing things so it was definitely listen to Zelda by System of a Down and, it were, and you're a kid in you know high school or middle school and you're like well that's the bible clearly that's why would they lie so, <laughs> clearly all right please well god continue the lightning round question question number four uh what's your favorite gaming snack gaming snack okay so I've actually had this conversation with friends a lot of times it's a healthy debate so you want to and this one I have to be very detailed with because I, I think it's a whole process so it has to be something that's easy to like that you could pretty easily and consistently eat with one hand. If you if it takes two hands and you gotta take both hands off the controller, you gotta put it to the side, then mm-hmm. like you're already ruined the game experience because you gotta pause or whatever. And then if it's an online multiplayer game, then you're just gonna lose. Because obviously no pausing. So it has to be something you can just easily get. Um one of my go-to's I would say has always been like some type of chips. Uh, mm-hmm. Pringles were the easiest because then you don't have to really put your hand in a bag, it's more of like a can. So I think Pringles would have to be would have to suffice. Um, I'm also a big fan of like anything that I can like grab a handful of. Um, as a as a wrestler who sometimes occasionally cares about his diet, <laughs> I uh, I try to find healthier things. Like uh, I think sometimes I do trail mix or anything I can grab a handful of and quickly shove in my mouth. Um, yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, 
Um, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go full uh, full uh, thing, whatever. Trail mix, you know, just shoving a bunch of, uh, you know, nuts and mixed nuts there in my go. mouth. Perfect. Yeah, there we go. Might as well just, None just, of this will internet... be cut and used as blackmail at any time. You are perfectly safe. <laughs> yeah, no, I was going to say the internet's going to do it for me, so I might as well just, just do it myself. <laughs> um, but no, anything that's easy to grab is usually a go-to for me. Um, Pringles was a favorite of mine. Uh, I guess what, Doritos. What was your, what was your yeah. preferred flavor of Pringles? Oof. Uh, I guess it would have to either be uh, salt and vinegar. I was a big fan of um, barbecue as well. Um, sour cream and onions is, is a good one that I appreciate now. But I guess salt and vinegar was my thing when I was younger because I really liked that tangy, vinegary taste. Hmm. See, the only problem with chips for me, uh, and the Pringles aren't as bad because they're not quite as oily as regular chips are. Yes. Then it's like then you've got like a like a, a great like you're slipping off of buttons. Then at that point, like yes. you, don't, you, you don't like playing your your video games with a nice uh, sheen of uh, chip grease all over the. You hand you hand that controller to the neighbor kid. That's the, that well, oh, this is the good controller. This is the yeah. One really well. Oh man, it's funny because I made a joke on Twitter about uh, I, I recently did a death match and I joked that I was going to start using the blood of my enemies as a, as a as a as a natural lubricant for my controllers in case you get stuck read that and that was the hardest shit i've ever read in my life that was that was some mad mac stuff i was blown away that was a great line (laughs) thanks um yeah no go on no pause the deathmatch conversation because i perchance have a question written about that one but just to round out the lightning round really fast question five marvel or dc and why uh, if we're talking comics, I appreciated DC Comics growing up a little bit more than Marvel. Although I'll always admit that Marvel has way more characters than I'm into. Like, I'm a big Spider-Man, X-Men guy. Um, when it comes to DC, the only thing I'm ever interested in remotely is just Batman, The Flash, and uh, the Titans, like Teen Titans. That's really it. I'm not a big Superman guy. The Green Lanterns, I appreciate all the arcs and the deep lore that they have, but I'm not really a big Green Lanterns guy. But, you know, when you read a really good Batman run, like, it'd be hitting. Um, obviously, Marvel has changed the game with the MCU, so it's it, I almost have to just say Marvel just off of that. Um, I do think that Mar- there's a lot of Marvel comics I appreciate now. I'm a big, big fan of Miss Marvel. I think, like, that's one of the best modern-day comic book characters like today, I think she's probably the best one, even more so than Miles Morales, because his comics are pretty mediocre, and it wasn't until Spider-Verse that people started really caring about Miles Morales. I said it. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I mean, I... That's, that's, a, that's a hot take, but I don't disagree. I remember being, um, I remember working at a comic book store when they first introduced Miles, and that was like a big holy, like, oh my goodness moment, but I agree, it, it didn't really come into fruition until spider-verse that really was like oh you could just hang a whole franchise on this kid yeah Um, it's just the comic it's like it's such a cool idea and i think like and i love representation obviously and i think it's so awesome and i think that like i originally was like really excited for miles morales um i remember being excited then i was reading his comics and i was like oh this is very uh this is very mad like there's a lot of cool ideas like i love the idea of He's wearing black and mourning for Spider-Man. He could have saved or whatever. And the previous Spider-Man is almost his Uncle Ben in a way and his mm-hmm. motivation. I, I think just cool ideas, you know, his, his, his uncle being the prowler, stuff like that is really cool. But it wasn't really, I mean, I, I think recently, like since um, Marvel combined the universe and stuff like that, I think his comics have been better. But I still think it's been fairly mediocre until like Spider-Verse. And now people are like, oh, 
that's a franchise character. That's right. a guy like we want to see in the MCU and can't wait for that or whatever, you know? Well, and to your point with the, the Lantern Corps, it wasn't until Jeff Johns got brought in to like clean up the mess that was Green Lantern that it really kind of took off. So sometimes it, it sometimes it'd be that way. Sometimes it'd be like that. Like, <laughs> it really, it really be like that. Sometimes. sometimes with comic books, sometimes it'd be like that. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Lee, really miss because we were talking MCU for a little bit. Um, yeah. At at the time we are recording this, and at the time this will ultimately come out, um, the uh, have you been? Well, let me ask you this before I get deep into the question: Have you been watching Wandavision? Oh, of course. That's like the first okay. thing I do on my Fridays. <laughs> Good. Okay. Good. So then, uh, the final episode will be out on Friday. This episode yes. normally the episodes normally go up on Thursday. So for all of our uh, say no pressure on me to edit this. Thank you. Right. Um, but what <laughs> what are your brief thoughts based off of the previous eight episodes? What do you think is going to happen in episode nine? Uh, I mean, obviously, I I mean, we, we said spoiler alert, whatever. I don't know. I mean, if you're yeah. not caught up on WandaVision, what are you doing with your life? Like, that's like the best right. thing going right now. Um, obviously, we're going to get Vision versus Vision. And I believe that that's going to be our way to get our vision back. Uh, I, I could see some like a, some badass fight between the two visions. They come together at the end. They fuse somehow, and then they become the vision that we all know and love, or whatever. Um, I also just love the idea of a white vision versus the hex vision. I guess I should yeah. call him because he's not really re- the real vision. Because technically, he's like he's fully like we we just know that he's Wanda's vision, a hex vision. Obviously, the more so real one is the white vision. Which is really, he looks really cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, my thing is, I'm, I, I just feel like Agatha just can't be behind everything. I feel like she's more so very Loki-like, and she's like an agent of chaos. Like, she spent most of the last episode just trying to figure out Wanda's powers and why she's so strong and all that jazz. So I don't really see her as the big, big bad. Um, I, I, I'm so excited. I, I don't know. I'm really excited. I want to see what happens with Monica um, now that she has powers and all that stuff. And Apparently, she's gonna. This is gonna be a big arc going into uh, Captain Marvel two. I, I I gave up theorizing like two episodes ago because I was just like, let me just enjoy the ride. Because, <laughs> that's, like, that's a good way to look at it. Because it's like I was theorizing a lot of stuff like Mephisto and all this, this and that and multiverses and I had this. Me and my friends came up with this theory about how the hex was an opening into multiple div- dimensions, and that's how she pulled out a Quicksilver from a different dimension, which was, you know, the Fox dimension, for lack of a better term, and all this and that. Uh, and now, you know, obviously that's not really looking like the case. It just looks like it's just Wanda being super OP and being, you know, the Scarlet Witch that she is, because clearly they're building her up to be this super all-powerful, pretty much House of M-style Scarlet Witch, which is really cool. Um, like it's crazy to me that they're doing this. Like I am just thinking about it. I'm like, because House of M was a super like crazy like run. Like it was like it was crazy and super ambitious. And I would never think that that would be something that like the MCU would be doing in any way. You know, like fake children, no more yeah. mutants, all that's Like I just I would never think they would even try to attempt it because it's like a lot. I and even if they did, I always thought it would just be like a super watered down version. And I, I have a lot of appreciation for Civil War, like the MCU version, but obviously that's not Civil War from the comic books. I, I, was, I was just about to say the same thing. I was like, my guess would have been like the closest we would get to a House of M is like Civil War, where it's like, ah, oh, it's got the name, there's kind of some characters in it, and eh, kind of similar gist, but not really. But And I mean, the same here, because she's not, the whole 
gimmick of House of M was like, oh, Wanda undid a majority of, you know, mutant population and blah, 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 blah. Well, obviously, yeah. if she did that here, it's like, hey, that means nothing in the MCU because mutants aren't a thing yet. But, yes. Well, let's wait for the inverse of that. I'm waiting for right. it. She says the iconic... More, and she just says more mutants, more mutants out yeah. of context. And I would love it if she just said out of context. Like, it's just the end, end credit scene. I don't know. Everything is all fucked up or whatever. And I guess she's more upset. And she just goes, more mutants. And then they're just behind her. Like, I just want Jimmy, I just want Agent Wu right, right behind her going, what are, what are mutants? What? <laughs> <laughs> like, I would just, I would lose my shit. That'd be great. Um, I'm super excited for the ending of it. Um, like, honestly, this has been way better than... I think that, like, Marvel played their hands perfectly with this because I didn't know what to expect. I had some ideas. I had a hope that it would kind of sort of be similar to House M. I thought at the end of the day it would just be really, really funny and entertaining, which everybody complained about the con- you know, the controversy, quote-unquote, that it starts off slow. I don't get it. And I think people forget that this is the MCU and, you know, they're – it, their content is usually pretty funny or pretty entertaining and these characters are endearing enough that you can just go off of that until the plot picks up <laughs> well so, it's, it's funny yeah. that you mentioned that because we talked about a little bit on the show when in some previous episodes that i really am here for the weird stuff like the now that we've kind of brought it back around and now it's like okay well we got to wrangle this beast and put it into context of movies and it's going to lead to other movies and it's a little more serious there is a part of me that bu- that's bummed out. I was very much enjoying the weird. I told Chad before we started recording. Mm-hmm. Prior to this, didn't give a shit about the vision at all. Like, just didn't care. Oh my gosh! And yeah, now, we we share a point. Oh my gosh! I and now <laughs> my best I'm friend. like, oh, <laughs> so Paul Bettany, actually the greatest actor who's ever lived. Oh, oh my gosh! Okay. Yes. All right. Like, no, seriously. This- yeah, that's. Oh, I'm sorry. I just got so excited. I just. I hate MCU Vision so right. much and it's like and i don't hate him because i hate the character in the comics or how they did him because i even think in age of ultron that was a really interesting way that he came about or whatever but i just hate him because he doesn't really have much of a character he just was kind of like hey i'm funny and i'm wise occasionally and i'm look at me i'm wearing a sweater and making and cooking with paprika like, right. uh, and like and <laughs> on the battlefield, he was just sort of like robot Jesus. Like he was just like, I'll sacrifice <laughs> myself. It's okay. I'm a robot. And I was like, uh, snore. I'm not interested, but I'm show- not invested. And they made this big sacrifice for him. We're supposed to care in infinity war that he's, he's being hunted and he's most likely going to die. And we see it coming. And it's like, I'm not invested in this character. He's been in like two movies beforehand and neither of them really, he was given a ton of screen time. He goes from being born to accidentally killing War Machine, almost killing War Machine, I should say. And that's pretty much his arc. And then in Infinity War, he just has a whole relationship with Wanda. And I'm like, where did this come from? Like, because he wore a sweater with her? Like, let me wear a sweater. I guess I I guess that's all I'm going to listen to Olsen. Well, as soon as we had an episode of WandaVision (laughs) where, uh uh-oh, the Vision accidentally ate some gum and now he's drunk on stage, I was like... Oh, so this show could just go on forever then. Like, I could just watch this every day. Yeah, I was <laughs> like, totally this is, if, if you want to make a, like, make a, please, I, I need the MC to make a sitcom, like a spinoff sitcom, where it's legit just a sitcom. Yes. And they just I, keep doing that every week. So, <laughs> like, the, oh, man. My last, my last point about this, and I don't want to be like, well, <laughs> is um, the one thing that I always think, that I would think about with the vision was 
when he picked up Mjolnir because like he was pure or whatever and could do it and blah, 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 blah. And at the time seemed like a way, way like, Oh, so he just has all the power then. Like that seemed like a way big push for, he just got, he just got here. And then, I, I, I love the wrestling terminology. Cause I, sorry, I, I sorry. if you didn't say, no, 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 no. It's kind of true. I feel the same way. It's like, the best thing I can compare it to is when Roman Reigns won the Rumble in 2015. Because it's yeah. like, listen, 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 listen. Like, I'm like, I know Vision is OP. In the comic books, he is, a, he is strong. He's literally powered by an Infinity Stone. I know how strong this dude is supposed to be. I can sort of believe that he could pick up Mjolnir. But that literally five seconds in, he just picks it up. And he's just like, and then he's like, okay, we trust him. Yeah, That's he's like, like oh, this, is, this isn't a problem at all. Like, what? what? So... Uh, that kind of turned me off initially, but through the show, I'm like, I would, I I'm ride or die with vision. Like he's the greatest. So I feel like if there's some way to solve another potential issue, you could, if you were some way you could apply this same fix to captain Marvel, then I think Mm. you've nailed it because I know a lot of people's complaints is like, Hey, she showed up and then won the title on the first night and we're supposed to, you know, she's supposed to be our champion. Uh I don't buy it. If there was some way, if we had a spinoff show or some kind of adventures, and maybe that's what the second movie is going to be, that will kind of humanize a little bit and give it a little bit more of a 3D kind of storytelling, then maybe the same thing could be there too. Now, I don't really, I don't have the same kind of lack of opinion on Captain Marvel as I did with Vision originally, but I feel like this show super helped with that, of like, now if I go back and rewatch it and he picks up Mjolnir, I'd be like, hell yeah! Like, he could absolutely do that. No, and I want him to. Not even that he can. I want him to, because it's like, I don't care how strong these characters are. I care more about what they do when I care about them. Like, Captain Marvel is probably legitimately pound for pound the strongest character in this universe, you know? Probably. You can make the argument or whatever, you know? And then, obviously, she's going toe-to-toe with Thanos in Endgame or whatever. I will say that I love her look at Endgame uh, with the more current uh, comic book Mm -hmm. uh, depiction of her look with the short hair and everything. And I was like, okay, this this is doing more for me. I dig this. I can get behind this. I just think that in Captain Marvel 2, I just need to see more about, like, why I should care about her as a person. They right. spent most... Like, Captain Marvel, I don't hate that movie. I watched it back recently, and I realized I don't think it's a bad movie objectively. I just don't care for Captain, the main character. I love right. young Nick Fury. He's awesome. Like, he's mm-hmm. he's really charming. He's really funny. And um, even I, uh, Ben Mendelsohn as, as the scroll guy kind of wins you over by the end. Like, you're like, no, yeah, absolutely. okay, the scrolls are awesome. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love the take that the scrolls aren't bad guys. I thought it was such a risky. Like I look back, mm-hmm. I'm like, it's such a risky move because the scrolls in comic books are not like the you know they're usually like the most insidious of them all because the scrolls can be anybody or anything at any time, and you know they they pretend to be X Men, they pretend to be Avengers, and they trick even the most astute of like heroes. You know, nobody can detect them. It's scrolls are a serious serious threat, and. They're just like, nah, they're friends. And it's like, okay, I could sort of, I could sort of get behind that. I just don't care. And it's not, I don't know if it's Brie Larson's fault. I don't think it is. I just don't care for Captain Marvel yet. I, I think, think I can, I, but I don't I, I don't even put the blame on, on her or even the first movie. It just feels like this is what happens when you have to reverse engineer something. Like, mm. like they already knew, like, okay, she's going to be a big help in Endgame. We've got to introduce her all of a sudden. 
and now we have to build backwards and treat it as though this was all planned from the beginning, but it's kind of not fitting in beautifully. And, you know, it, it just, it's like perfect example is like Nick Fury's eye. Like we hear uh-huh. from so many movies. Oh, I lost my, how'd I lose my eye? Cause I trusted somebody once. And it's like, Oh shit, that's a mystery. And that sounds like he lost it in like space nom or something like, Holy shit. And then we <laughs> get to the nom. movie and it's like, Oh, oh zany cat moment. That was it. Dang it. And then you're like, yeah, after okay. they teased us. So, and it's not even a thing of like, they dropped the ball. They didn't know what no. they teased it like twice earlier. And they had characters going, Hey, you okay. Your eyes. Okay. First, the car crash. They could have did it in the first scene with Colson when Colson turned out to be a scroll. And I would have bought that. And I would have been like, all right, that's cool. Yeah. His partner turns into a freaking alien. Right. Yeah. That that's pretty, I would, that would stay with me for the rest of my life as well. <laughs> like, so, agreed. But, but it, it just feels like one of those cases where like, well, I mean, we kind of played it up. We got to pay it off here. And it's just not living up to it because you had to build backwards. So I don't know. I love that this became a, a Marvel podcast. I love it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. <laughs> now, uh, Chad, I know we've got a litany of video game questions. We, we do. Nice, uh, nice. Yes. Unsurprisingly, a lot of video game questions uh, but, that, that but came out there. Before we before we get there, before we go to uh, the electronics boutique, I did yeah. want to talk a little bit about <laughs> um, a, the a post that you had made a little bit ago uh, about uh, behavior of, of vets in the business. Uh, and yes, so, if I may, yes. I want to I want to read your exact wordage, and then I want to go into a little bit deeper uh, into like what were you thinking and and what kind of inspired all this and 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 how we can express this to a wider mass because I don't think you're off base at all. So your exact tweet was uh, to the vets who want us to go through what they had to, because they turned out quote unquote. Okay. Nah, give me my match footage, pay me for destroying my body and let's show empathy and compassion. So we don't contribute or don't continue the cycle of trauma. Botch the Uh ending. Um, And I think that's absolutely, I think you're absolutely right on, on, on point here. And so a, we want to give you the floor to kind of expound on that if you'd like. And then B, I'd like to discuss it a little bit. You no, know, it's it's funny because I do like the idea to expand on that because when I initially tweeted that, uh, and I, I think I've been a lot more like looser with my tweets in terms of like my personal views on wrestling and stuff because earlier in my career, I was kind of just like, let me just, you know, make uh, quirky tweets and catchy lines and, 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 you know, video game or anime reference and stick to that. And I'd still do that, obviously. And I have a lot of fun doing that. But I think that if there's an opportunity to raise awareness and that's not necessarily peel back the curtain in a way that like just to paint wrestling in a bad light. Like if I say stuff like this, I feel like sometimes my peers think I'm trying to just, you know, make, you know, uh, be angry at wrestling or whatever. And I'm like, no, I just think that it could be better. And I think that a lot of the issues are us, the wrestlers. So you know, I, I was concerned that it was coming off a little angry and I did not expect the positive reaction I got to it. A lot of wrestlers DM me. There was a good amount of retweets and likes to it. And I was like, OK, all right, cool, 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 cool. People didn't think I was just being bitter and annoying or something, which is always great because, you know, that's always my fear. But to expand on that, like the context and I've been very frustrated because I think like in this pandemic, social media has become way more prevalent. So I mm-hmm. see a lot of stuff that bothers me. And I always used to think that the power in, in, in this industry was to promoters, to guys with the money, to guys who, you know, run these these companies, to the, the Vince McMahons, the Tony Khans, the people. I thought they had all the power. But the more I think about it, and, and I don't think this is crazy, I think it's like, well, we're the wrestlers. 
you can't have a wrestling company without wrestlers. Very and true. We're so expendable. I want to see Tony Khan get in the ring and do not to say that he's you know he's just the, I'm sorry he's just the first guy who popped in my head. Please, Tony Khan, I I I'd love AEW. Please don't don't <laughs> please sign me sometime. No, but no seriously, like to me, like I realize like okay we have a lot of power as wrestlers, let's use it. But sometimes I'll see stuff from other wrestlers, top wrestlers on the indies. You know, and I'm not trying to name names. I'm not in the, I don't care, whatever. But a lot of times I see stuff, maybe stuff out of context, maybe stuff where it's just a random tweet, but it just upsets me. Like there was this one time earlier in the pandemic, I saw this wrestler, you know, it was a debate about pay in wrestling and like not getting paid versus getting paid, which I guess is always a hot button topic in wrestling. Something that fans and outsiders in wrestling are always confused about because I guess fans assume we're all getting paid a ton of money for each match we do. Mm-hmm. And the past two, three years, fans have quickly been realizing, no, your favorite wrestler doesn't get paid very much. You know, they're lucky if they get 50, 60, 70 dollars, um, you know, and then sometimes it'll be the guys who've been wrestling for five, six, seven years, you know, who can barely get a hundred dollars. And then when you start to think about it, wait a minute, this guy is from New York and he and he went down to Atlanta and he only got a hundred dollars from it. Wait a minute, that doesn't equal the amount he would have spent to get. Wait a minute, he lost money to go wrestle in Atlanta. You know what I mean? And like, it's crazy to me that like other wrestlers would be okay with this and they'll go, hey, well, you know, that's what I had to do. Or hey, well, it made me appreciate it more when I got to get blown out. And I'm just like, no, 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 don't say that. You're giving all the power back to that promoter who can literally go back to me and now say to me, oh, this guy who's 10 years your senior, he just said that he was okay with that because he went through that. And you think you're better than him? Oh, nah. No, nah. I'm not even going to use you now because you want to complain about not getting flown out. And I'm just, and, and to me, I'm just like, well, no. Like, if you want me, take care of me. Pay me my rate, figure out my travel expenses, and this is what we got to do. And, or we can negotiate. I, I just don't like this idea that because someone else went through it, and it's not a disrespect on the veterans who paved the way. Not to say, like, you know, it was a different time, you know? Like, social media wasn't a thing. It was much harder to report on injustices and the independence because even WWE itself back then wasn't heavily reported on in the backstage and the dirt sheets and stuff like that. So how could anybody have known, you know? But now it's like it's a different era. Social media, the information age, everything is out there. You know, I can tell you what a pro- how a promotion is treating a locker room. I can tell you all these things. I can share it on Twitter in seconds. So it shouldn't be acceptable anymore. These companies should be held to a higher standard. And it's not just – it, it starts with the top wrestlers. Because if the top wrestler, the world champion in that company says, well, I don't really care if they're paying everybody on the show. Because when I first started, I didn't get paid the first five times I wrestled. And golly gee, if I had to earn my $150, then you got to earn your $150 too. Like, no, what did, didn't you kill yourself and destroy your body so the next generation didn't have to? Because everybody always says they're doing it for the next generation. True. Like nobody ever actually does it for the next generation. I don't, I still go through, and you know, I don't go through anything awful, awful, but I go through, I still struggle in wrestling, you know? And I would hate for the next generation to have to struggle the same exact way as me. There's an expression that everybody loves to say from WWE all the way to the bottom where they say, I want to leave this industry better than I found it when I'm done with it, you know, or when I leave hmm. or whatever. And the, to me, what that means is the next wrestlers who pop five, 10 years from now, they get it. They're better off for it. They can get their hundred dollars from jump if they're that talented and they're worth a hundred dollars, regardless of how many years they've been in this. It shouldn't be 
oh, I have to kill myself for 10 years before I can get a break. No, if I deserve to get a break now because I'm working hard and I'm getting the attention and I built a following and I have a fan base, why can't I get flown out to Florida and have a hotel and, you know, get paid my rate and then some or whatever, you know? Why does it have to matter how many years on my pedigree or who said that I deserve this or what company said that? The power should be to me in the fans and in the wrestlers. If, the, if I have a, a large enough following and people enough people believe I'm worth that much, you know, you got to pay me my rent. You got to take care of me. Yeah, if you're bringing in a value, then that value should be respected and not like, well, I don't know, Bruno San Martino, he worked for two cans of sardines back in 77. I don't know. <laughs> Seems pretty steep. Yeah, yeah, well, I know. And it and it kind of you know and it all falls into two and a lot of people kind of backlashed on him on this like when the Undertaker came out with that this this era of wrestlers is you know he feels they're kind of weak because they're not bringing like oh no don't don't, don't don't give a, don't give me and Mark a, a pass he said we were soft right, right. <laughs> uh, not like, kind of weak he said we were soft <laughs> but it's just one of those things where it's just like like that that's hold it that's what we should still be doing we should still be bringing like weapons into a locker room because you can't like turn your back on somebody to trust you know you know trust that they're not going to do something to you know to try to keep their their proverbial spot it's just makes no sense to me and, it's also and, like, a different world we live in you know and i i can get that's other it's not even just a wrestling issue mind you like i it's a societal issue i see it in every entertainment form I see it even in basketball. Like I, I'm a big basketball fan and I'll see older basketball players. The first thing they do whenever a new basketball player pops up on the scene, they're like, oh, well, he wouldn't have made it in my era. You know, it was more physical. It was more this, this and that. And it's like, okay, yeah, your era was more physical. We don't live in that era anymore. And we don't have a time machine either. So why are you bringing this up? We live in this era. <laughs> this player's doing well in this era. Okay, that's it. That's end of the story. They're just, they're talented. Why you got to go, oh, well, back in my era, that, that stuff wouldn't have flown. Like, who cares? We're not in that era. <laughs> like, it's, it's literally just an ego thing. It's just a thing so you could say, oh, well, I'm still better because I made it in my era. It was more difficult. And that must mean that I'm better than you. And because if you're better than me, then how dare you? You know, it's so insecure. And it's super like, why? Like, just give respect to the next generation. You know, like, that's it. <laughs> if you want to, you know, like it just, it just doesn't make sense to me. And I think that Undertaker, obviously, he's a super veteran. I, I love the Undertaker. I grew up watching him, and I think that he, he's probably one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Easily, like top three. He's on any Mount Rushmore when you, if you ask me. But stuff like that is just so tone deaf because it's like we're soft because we don't bring weapons and stuff into the ring. Not because. Not even like a legitimate gripe about like, hey, we do all this flippity doodah or whatever, blah, 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 or, you know, a lack of storytelling stuff that I may even agree with him on. But no, uh, no, you just don't bring guns and knives in there. I didn't realize well, that was what mattered in wrestling. You're playing, you're playing video games instead, which is, right. you know, well, I absolutely point. am. Don't get me wrong. Well, that's true. <laughs> he called you out directly. Right, um, yes, he did. Right in, right in the ring, no less. So. Right, my question. My first thought when I when I read that quote from Undertaker was, was like, "Oh, these kids are playing video games instead of bring weapons." Like, yeah, and no one's getting fucking stabbed to death in the shower anymore, man. Like, yeah, Bruiser Brody. Like, I'm like, I don't think that we want to go down that way. Like, I don't. No. I love wrestling, but I don't want to get stabbed in no shower. I don't want to get stabbed in no locker room. I'm good. <laughs> like, it's not worth that much. That's my first thought. Was like. Yeah, I'm glad they're playing video games because that means no one's getting fucking knifed. Like, right. good. 
Thank you. That's great. That's progress. <laughs> but oh, for man. some reason, for some reason, that's not progress. So Zach, I don't know if you knew. Well, that it's, was, all, but... it's all, uh, it's all the businesses evolving and the businesses is getting better except for, well, I mean, vets can do no wrong though. I'm like, okay. Well, right. Back. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know. And I mean, I, I, I it's like it's a different time we live in, and I understand right. that po- political views or whatever. Some people think it's very easy for people in an older generation to say, "Oh, you millennials, or you this, this, and that." And I'm like, "Listen, like back in the '80s too. If I came up in that era, I wouldn't even. I would have had. I last I checked, <laughs> pretty I'm a, I'm a black dude. I would have. I wouldn't have had a good opportunity to make it. So off of that alone, I wouldn't have made it in your era. Two, That's it's like I, I'll, I'll say this about this generation or this crop of whatevers." Uh, you don't have to worry about us making, uh, you know, the news as much about, you know, crimes or this, this and that. You don't have to worry about steroid scandals as much as that as before. There's a lot of different stuff that's better. We're healthier. We're living longer because there's how many wrestlers back in Undertaker's era were dying in their mid 30s, 40s. You know, like from what I understand, people, and people always say our generation takes stupid bumps or whatever. But I'm like, we're living longer than ever. Right. I mean, maybe our flippity doodahs, maybe it's crazy and maybe it seems like we're killing ourselves, but I'm like, how is it that we're still, you know, doing this for a good amount of time? How is it that we're still living longer and living healthier lives? We're dieting better. We're working out smarter. We're not just deadlifting 500 pounds and going, all right, that's it. I'm in shape. Like, no, we have CrossFit. We have yoga. We have all these advancements and wrestling's in a better place because of it. DDP yoga has legitimately saved people's lives. Like, come on now. It's real. Mm-hmm. True. And the lit the litany of wrestlers that you could go over from the other from that you know that era that died early due to dumb you know I hate to say it due to dumb stuff and people that like many of us all look back on you know Kurt Hennig died from freaking drugs Rick Rude died for, you know these are guys that that should have had long much longer careers the way that era was set up and yeah I completely agree with you that like you know it there should be something to be looked on and, and learning from the mistakes of the previous generation and, and going with it. And yeah. And not so, even sounding too political too. I mean, also the inclusiveness, like I, a, a gay wrestlers, LGBTQ wrestlers, ten, even 10 years ago, that wouldn't have been able to be a thing. And even now there's still barriers that we still have to knock down and stuff. But I'm like, wrestling is in a better place. We're opening doors to new audiences every day. Like the fact that we can have an all black show in any capacity is amazing to me or an all women's show. That Very wasn't true. really a thing, you know, 10 years ago. I mean, maybe in Japan, but everywhere. No, that wasn't a thing. So speaking of different styles of wrestling and different shows, uh, you have uh, recently expanded. You got the, uh, the system update and now you are officially working in uh, a deathmatch capacity. Uh, we, we, we went from smash brothers to mortal Kombat, And so, um, how the hell does that come about? Uh, I think that like, I love wrestling and I love all forms of it. And I think that a lot of times we get comfortable in just being in one position, doing things one way. And that's not to say that's a bad thing. Like if you're good at something, please do it. You know, if, I think that a lot of people in life have an, if it ain't fit, if it ain't broke, you don't need to fix it, whatever um and that's not kind of how my mind works a lot of times i get very like uh i'm trying to look for a good word for it the first thing that's coming to my head is bored i get very uh 
bored if I feel like things are kind of being repetitive, especially with my wrestling style or the matchups I'm in. And I feel like a lot of times people look at me and they're kind of like, okay, that guy plays video games in the ring. He does some cool moves with the switch in his hands. And okay, all right, you've seen one big game leader match. You might have seen them all. And, you know, I don't, that's how I feel. And maybe I'm creating that narrative in my own head, but that's what keeps me motivated. So a lot of times, so I was like, okay, no, I'm going to do a death match. Uh, partly because I don't think anybody would ever expect me to. And mm-hmm. I tweeted that uh, maybe a few months uh, back in January. Yeah, a few months ago. I tweeted that back in January. And Casano Valentine, he, he saw it. And he was like, okay, bet. Challenge me to, you know, no ring death match. And it, it, that's how it pretty much came about. I mean, for me, it's just like I look at wrestling as like art, you know, and I think of myself as an artist. And I was saying this to a lot of my friends, you know, my other peers and wrestlers who were just kind of like, um, Leroy, why are you doing this? <laughs> and I was just like, no, I'm, I'm an artist and I want to paint in different mediums. And at the very least, I can try it and see how it is. And honestly, I loved it. <laughs> There's definitely a sadistic side of me that enjoyed seeing blood, enjoyed my blood kind of coming down my body, trickling down my back. I, I enjoyed the exhilaration of pounding flesh with a light tube and a GameCube. And, you know, that's the fun of it, too, is that, like, it's still me. I didn't just go around and start dropping F-bombs and start, you know, drinking out of a six-pack or whatever and start smoking a cigarette. I beat this dude up. I beat Casanova Valentine up with a GameCube. I hit him with a guitar straight out of a rock band. Like, I, I did a Goomba stomp. I I did these things as me. And I think that when you have, when you know who you are, at, like, and you're really confident in who you are, you can go into anything and do anything with that. Like, I know I'm big game, Leroy. I know that I can do this in any way. And I kind of just, now I'm at the stage where I'm like, okay, I need to prove it though. Let me go do a death match. It'll be different from any other death match you see. Cause I'm not just going to light tube up Casanova Valentine. Although we have some fun with that. I'm going to bring out a GameCube. Maybe next time I do it, maybe I'll bring out an Xbox and hit him until there's a red ring of death. I don't know. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's fun to be had, you know, when I step into a death match, because you don't know what I'm bringing to the table, you know? Maybe next time we do it, maybe next time I do an ring death match, I'll do it at a barcade and I'll just be throwing uh-huh. him through arcade machines or something like that. You know, there's there's fun to this that you wouldn't get out of just watching another deathmatch wrestler, which I'm not even, you know, and I have a lot of respect for what deathmatch wrestlers do, obviously, especially more so now. But I like to think like, you know, I'm because I have because I am who I am and I'm people understand who I am, people get who I am from jump there's a little bit there's there's i can paint in a little bit of a different stroke than others you know and i think like i was really excited by that i i was i was you know chomping at the bit to do it and now that i got a taste i'm like i want to do it again i think people are expecting this to be a one-off like okay he got his little death match fix he probably just wanted to check it off the bucket list and he's good i'm like no i'm super willing to do it again and i'm gonna do it again like in my head i'm like yeah no like i'm 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 amping it up and joking a little bit about being a death match wrestler but I want to do this properly. Like, hopefully, next time I can get in a ring, do a little bit more, showcase more of what I, more of my creativity and stuff. But I'm willing to do it again. You know, I my back was a little bloodied up, but last time I checked, I there wasn't enough blood on my face. So I don't know. I maybe, you know, I, I, I got to get a little bit, get a, get a little bit more color. Got to get a little bit more something to feed <laughs> off of. You know. So, <laughs> so right. I'm, I'm I'm gonna be completely transparent here. I was actually building a bit that I was gonna release here where I was going to quote Da Vinci and include like 
something about hitting someone with a GameCube controller. But I was so excited about what Leroy was talking about that I think, really, if we're going to take it to the next level, you know, there were the Moxley death matches where, like, you'd have, like, a pair of scissors or there was, uh, you know, uh, the there's always the skewers or um, Abdullah the Butcher and a fork. I Is there any chance, Leroy, that your go-to deathmatch weapon can be that bulky-ass Resident Evil 4 chainsaw controller that was for GameCube. Is that an option? Oh my gosh, that would be great. First off, I'd have to find one. Like, I gotta go on eBay and really, like, find that. Like, oh my gosh, like that... I, I'm excited. Yeah, I'd love that. I, <laughs> I, I just... I, I, I'm sorry, I just, I just like, literally just... Because I, I... I just... To me, there's just so much I can do. Like, obviously, like, if I do a regular wrestling match, you know, you can expect my Switch wrestling, you can expect certain you know cool wrestling maneuvers and you know this this, and that but it's like there's disqualifications i can't hit you over the head of a gamecube that would be really fun but i can't do that i can't you know play some rock band and then hit you in the back of a guitar i can't get a resident evil (laughs) chainsaw and start going to town on you either but no ring deathmatch i can do anything anything is possible you never know what i could pull out and that to me is the real fun because i think wrestling's at its best when you don't know what to expect Barbed wire wrapped power glove. Oh, okay. oh like man, that, that would be great. I saw <laughs> Sammy Callahan. He, I think he did the what the N sixty four controller covered in barbed wire, and I yes. thought that was so cool. And I literally was just like, "Oh man, this is what I mean." Like, I gotta, I gotta jump on these before all the TV wrestlers steal my That's ideas. That's true. That's true. <laughs> okay, well then, let me ask you this. So, um, I mean, and obviously, other than big contract, because um, obviously, no WWE, AEW stuff like that's going to kind of be big on this question here. You've and you just kind of mentioned you checked deathmatch off your off your bucket list a little bit. You want to do more, but at least you you did it and you've got it off there. What else is on the bucket list? What are what are kind of some of the the short term goals that you've got in your mind that you'd like? To, I'd really like to try that. What are what are some of those on the list? Uh, I would say a ladder match. I mean, I think that the independence, it's kind of hard to do ladder matches sometimes, but I think a ladder match would be really cool. I grew up a big ladder match fan, uh, you know, big fan of the Hardys, Edge and Christian, the Dudley style TLC ladder matches. Uh, I'll also say, um, you know, Money in the Bank as well. I just love those type of matches. And I think like if I had an opportunity to like be a part of one and feel like there could be really some really cool ideas to do, even with the gaming stuff that I just, it's really exciting to think about stuff like that. Uh, Let's see, short term as well. What would be another one? Uh, it's tough because the deathmatch thing. Like, I grew up a so I grew up a CZW fan. Like as a teenager and 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 you know middle schooler, I was like really big on CZW. I, obviously, we don't know what's whatever. I just always thought it'd be really cool if I could do a Cage of Death. Like, I look at Cage of Death and I always thought it was such a crazy contraption. Like, I literally look at it now as an adult still. Who's lit? And I've literally been at CZW shows seeing it get built, and I would be like. What is this like? Who, what possessed the person who created this to think to create this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like what kind of like what was going through his? You know, it just so I would I think doing a cage of death one because I feel like if I do more than one, I probably like at some point I'm just gonna get super like I, I'm just gonna start losing pounds and pounds of flesh and I want to lose my one pound of flesh to cage of death and then that's it I'm good with that that's the one right. thing I'll just go yeah okay because cage of death is kind of crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but um that's that's one uh, let, uh that's just really in terms of matchups i know like uh 
uh, I mean, sorry, not matchups, but in terms of like uh, like stipulations and special like type of whatever things I want to do. Um, there's still a good amount of matchups that I still like want, like for um, certain people. Um, like I, I know Daniel Garcia is a guy that I, I I'm salivating at the bit to get in the ring with a guy like him because that dude is super talented, and I think there's something to be said about a contrast in styles of us. Uh, super young, super hungry, very similar to myself in that way. And I just love to tear it up with him. Uh, my other short-term girls. The other ones are just more travel-oriented. I want to, like, travel a little bit more. I've never been to the West Coast in my life, like, as a human. So I think that that would just be really cool to be able to do that for wrestling. I know there's a really big scene in Las Vegas and, and Arizona. And hopefully when things open up in this pandemic, that'll be more of a of a realistic thing that I can make happen. So, you know, fingers crossed that that can happen this year. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think it's it for the short term. I'm, I'm very bad at short term. Like I'm very goal oriented, but I'm like, it's hard for me to like know what I'm going to do next because like I get very, uh, I'm very spontaneously minded. Like, it's like, I'll be like, Oh wow. Like I really want to do that. Yeah. That's what I'm going to start working towards. Like the deathmatch thing was like the big thing for me. Like I made the tweet. Uh, it started kind of coming together. It started to look like it could manifest itself into an actual match. And I was like, all right, this is what I'm doing. Thinking up ideas. How can I make this cool? How can I make this big? How can I, like, promote this to people and not have people think that I'm doing this for cloud or whatever? Like, you know, how can I make it clear to people that this is what I, like, I'm trying to do this for the sake of doing high-quality art, you know? I'm trying to do this to, like, really show someone, show these people, show people, show fans, show everyone, show other wrestlers that I'm doing this the real way because i'm like and i really am interested in doing this and doing it the right way because i know there was a controversy a few weeks ago because one wrestler said that he wanted to do death matches and everybody tried to you know shit on him and i thought that was really really messed up and i was like who cares if he wants to do death matches like because he's skinny and small or whatever like who cares right um yeah all right excellent so uh you've uh had your chance to not speak about video games for long enough and now yes, we yes, are yes, putting yes, you yes. back in the hot seat and that's okay uh, he mentioned he was spontaneous so this actually goes true. perfectly yeah, into yeah, kind yeah. of into what i was thinking of doing we're gonna we're gonna play a quick game uh i like to call either or uh i'm gonna give you a couple options here and i uh, want you just to come up with which an- whatever answer you believe uh, off the top of your head you don't want to ponder it too long on this one here but it, uh video game edition of either or here um, and we'll go with the big one to start. Mario or Sonic? Mario. Easy. Uh, Mortal Kombat or Street Fighter? Oh, that's tough. Uh, Mortal Kombat. All right, follow-up uh, question. What about the movie versions? Oh, God. Uh, still going to go Mortal Kombat. Ugh, that... Yeah, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat. Zach, game-wise, game-wise, my answer is Street Fighter. Movie-wise, my answer still it would be Mortal Kombat. The Street Fighter movie's Come horrible. On. You've got Raul uh, Julia and coked out of his mind, Jean-Claude yeah. Van Damme. What else do people want? I was going to say the street. I will say that the Street Fighter movie is kind of bad, that it's good. I, I enjoy watching it. I do. Like, I enjoy <laughs> watching it. If I was it. ever... Forgot, oh, if, if for some reason I was ever in charge of a class to teach promos, my first video would be goddamn M. Bison's speech to Chun Li about when I visited your village, it was the greatest day of your people's life. And for me, it was a Tuesday. That's the <laughs> shit. That's a great line. Okay, it bro. is. There was a lot of gems in that movie. People sleep on it. 
March <laughs> March fourteenth gimmick guide. Throw that on there. Um, so I'll be uh, claim for playing Raul Julia sound bites. That's right. Uh, <laughs> uh, next one, uh, Zelda or Kingdom Hearts. Ooh. Oh, Zelda. That that's I love Kingdom Hearts, but that's Zelda's one of the goats. Like there's too many games to compete with too. Like just yeah. Uh this one I know my 10-year-old's waiting to hear the answer for. Sims or Animal Crossing? Ooh. Ooh, that's a tough one. I personally am a bigger fan of Animal Crossing because it feels a little bit more personal. I think the right. Sims, I'm more so playing God. I think they're different things, you know. I personally like Animal Crossing because it's more like I'm in the simulator. I feel like The Sims is more so playing God. And some people really enjoy that. They're like, oh, yeah, I like to make a bunch of people, have them make a family, make a community or whatever. And I feel like Animal Crossing is like, oh, I'm in the community and I'm just like the mayor or whatever, you know. But everybody kind of does their own thing and the world kind of has its own flow to it. But, yeah. Uh, Pokemon, who's your who's your main Pokemon? Oh, I love uh my favorite Pokemon is Scrafty. Like, I love him. Uh, competitively, he's awesome, too, especially when he has the ability Moxie. Uh, Moxie is pretty much this ability where, like, if he downs an opponent, uh, his attack rises. It skyrockets. So when I used to play Black uh, Black 2 and White 2, I would he would be, like, my third or fourth Pokemon. And once he gets in there and he finishes off one Pokemon, he just starts going on a roll and he starts destroying your team. Because his attack power just keeps rising and keeps rising. And you just you can't stop him once he downs an opponent. I literally would tell my friends, once he takes one of your opponent, once he takes one of your Pokemon, it's over. That's it. He's he's gonna start rolling through them and training through them. So uh, the lesson learned here: if you ever find yourself in a Survivor Series style match, and Big Game Leroy is on the other team and he scores a pin, fucking quit after that. You got no <laughs> chance. Yeah, my that. my attack power rises. It's like a plus five to the stats. Yeah. You know, <laughs> put it to bed. Uh, who's your go-to in Mario Kart? Uh, historically, it was always Luigi, although in Mario Kart 64, uh, I love Toad because his voice was just awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Uh, Smash Brothers, go to. Ooh, yeah. Oh my gosh, that is, that is tough. So growing up, I was always a big Kirby and Yoshi fan. Okay. Uh, when I got to Melee, my main in Melee was, um, Dr. Mario I used Dr. Mario, and I used a little bit of Falco. Um, it's hard. Like, every game was a little bit different. When I got True. to Brawl, I still would use Kirby for the most part. I liked Lucas a lot. When I got to Smash 4 and Smash Ultimate, that's when I started, like, picking up Ness. Uh, Ness mm. became one of my best characters. Uh, Ness is probably my best character in Smash Ultimate. Uh, him, Villager, Inkling. Um, I'm pretty good with a lot of different characters, now that I think about it, because I have, like, 10 characters in Elite Smash. Um, I have a pretty decent Mario. I love Mario. Super combo heavy. Awesome. Donkey Kong, I can just turn off my brain and I'm just, I already know what I'm going to do and you can't stop me. (laughs) (laughs) So, Uh, I have some, I have like 15 follow-up questions to this. So, number one, (laughs) um, do you follow any of like the competitive uh, communities for like Smash? Like, do you follow? Okay, so who's, who's your, who do you uh, prefer? Who's like your favorite um you know main guy. <laughs> uh right now i mean it's weird because like my main guy right now is this australian named little z he's okay. not really the most popular guy but um so in, in wrestling speak out kind of happened and in um yeah you know, so same thing in, in with uh, the smash community i will say, I say that same thing similar similar situation similar. yeah similar situation where like a lot of competitive top players 
were uh, called out and you know were removed from the community and stuff like that, and they stopped making content, obviously. So I was a big uh, Zero fan before that. Uh, obviously, before um, I, I enjoyed Zero, I thought he was kind of funny and stuff like that. Um, Little Z is pretty cool. This is a guy who makes really cool. So I'm really big into compilation videos. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I love people who can edit stuff really cool. I think Alpharad is awesome for that. Um, I also really like uh, this guy called King of Scale. He makes super awesome uh, montages. Really cool. Um, really good like memes and jokes and then sprinkled in there as well as just cool combo clips. So my my I, absolute yeah. favorite uh, is is none. I think none is is amazing. Um, because any, any competitive player who has like, he's almost like, he's almost like Mick Foley, if I can, if I can say that. <laughs> and the reason for that is he, um, is your typical, like very, very quiet, nerdy kind of guy. And so he's won amazing championships and just zero reaction. Like he just like, Oh my God, he beat it. I believe it's the winner. Yeah. And just yeah zero Mewtwo, reaction. That's very Mute. I love the Mewtwo King. Yep. That's, that's very Mewtwo King. Right. Like I love but, it. But, <laughs> He has alternate personalities. And so one of the ones that he will tap into is just named Bond, as in like James Bond. And the <laughs> difference is he is playing exactly the same. You'll see him. He's playing at home in his setup, but he plays wearing sunglasses. Like he's got Ray-Bans on if he's Bond. And the difference is he plays as either um, Captain Falcon or Ganondorf and plays at like maximum skill level like absolute like like as though it was the finals the grand finals blah 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 but he's playing on slippy which is melee online in the wild west so when he's bond he is just obliterating people and just being <sighs> complete cock about it and is hysterical like oh man that's it's great so funny i think it's just brilliant um and also, as a quick aside, if I can make just a general slam, there was yeah. sort of, like I said, a speaking out sort of thing in the Smash community. And the difference between that and the wrestling one is that the video game one actually stuck to its guns. And those people have been outed. And as far as I know, they're not allowed in tournaments anymore. Like the community yeah. went, hey, the- these are bad people. Goodbye. And that was it. As a no, yeah, they can't. Hey, yeah, they can't monetize Twitch. Well, maybe not. They don't have YouTube's. They don't. They don't. They they can't make money off of this anymore right. because it just you know. And I, I will say, yeah, the gaming community did stick to their guns with a lot of them, uh, if not all of them. So like, I think it's really really cool that like they actually stuck to their guns. Wrestling, like I've said before, I mean, it's even though we've gotten to the point with social media where like everything is out there and we can see everything, we have all this information. It's still just like it still feels like the Wild West in a lot of ways, you know. Like there was like this dude almost came back. I'm not gonna give him any clout. I'm not gonna say his name. We already probably already know this dude literally just came back and almost threw a whole show sponsored by Fight TV, mind you. Like not just mm-hmm. some regular like shindy, like a show sponsored by Fight TV, and he tricked a lot of the, a lot of good talent into being uh, signing up for the show. And it's crazy to me, you know. And I mean. I really like it. I got a little upset because I felt like fans were focusing on the wrong thing. Like, oh, how did you not know? Or how did you know? The, the dude manipulated people, and that's right. the person you got to come at, not the wrestlers who got tricked into thinking this was a show for charity. Like, <laughs> like, why? No, it, it's, it's definitely a case where, you know, like you said, the, the amount of information that can be spread in like just an absolute nanosecond now because of social media is incredible. But the downside of it is, is just a constant flood of just information. So 
for instance, there was another wrestler who had made some comments on Monday, which we all disagreed with. And we were like, what an asshole this guy is. And by Wednesday, it was like, hey, who wants to come work and blah, 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 blah. And no one was bringing up like, hey, by the way, two days ago, you were a real piece of shit. Like, it's just there's just so much going on at all times that sometimes mm-hmm. it can be hard. And sometimes there's people who kind of, I think, use that for, for camouflage. Um, no, for sure. And I think that a lot of times is like, I believe in it. I have this general mindset and I think it goes for everything is like, I, I can be okay with supporting an artist and I could separate the personal from the artist. I could have like a different, but it just, there, there has to be a line, you know, at some point the personal outweighs the, you know, the, the art, you know, like I could think the artist is really cool. I could think they're a good wrestler, but if you're that bad of a person or you say that much stuff that just upsets me at some point, it crosses that line. Like mm-hmm. the undertaker, like I, it hasn't crossed that line yet, but I, I see it, you know, I'm like, okay, he was wearing a Blue Lives Matter shirt. The first thing I see in that documentary is a Blue Lives Matter shirt. All right, not going to care. Donate it to Trump. Okay, not, not going not gonna, not gonna to care. <laughs> he says, okay, he says our generation is soft. All right, what? All right. You're starting to go from the ticket to Mark, you know. I'm like, I can't, I can't, you know. And I, that's how I separate it, you know, because I could still think the Undertaker's work is amazing, and it still is. But I still couldn't be aware that hey, this dude seems a certain kind of way, and I don't know if I personally kind of agree with a lot of those views, or I don't even know if I think that. I just don't think that's cool, you know. And I think a lot of times in wrestling, a lot of people overlook it. They'll be like, oh, well, that's a really dope wrestler, though, or that's a really cool, you know, or they're cool to me. Okay, yeah, but you know. You could also hold these people accountable. You don't have to, you don't have to cancel them. You don't have to, to get rid of them. There are some stuff that people could just be better for. You know, if someone says something stupid online, I can forgive that for the most part. For the most part, you know, I, I can forgive mm-hmm. that because that to me, you can learn from that. That could be a learning experience. And instead of just punishing someone forever and they go away forever, I'd prefer for that person to just not be homophobic or say racist things or make dumb offensive jokes like i just prefer them not to do that instead of them just going away forever you know mm-hmm. i feel like going away forever is just such an easy thing to do and i understand it but it's like no that could be a moment to educate people and i'm like all right let's just hold these people accountable like hey that's not cool to say that dude you know we're not we're not trying to cancel you but you know you need to you need to be better you know you have fans you have a platform can't just be saying that stuff on social media i and i think that when people just jump at the throats of like, get rid of this person, get them fired, uh, snitch tagging, all that stuff. I think that a lot of times those people are quick to go, oh, this is just Twitter trying to cancel me. Uh, the IWC, they're, they're just they're SJWs and all that. You know, and it becomes this whole thing. And it's just like, no, dude, there's just a problem with what you said and it's not acceptable. It's not a liberal thing. It's not a whatever. If you have a platform, you have a lot of people paying attention to what you do, you know, like that's, that's just what you pay for. We all sign up to be public figures. Unless your dream was to wrestle in a in a gym of five people, you right. signed up to be a public right. figure. You signed up for it. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Very nice. Uh, well, last one real quickly on my video game list here. And then, uh, Zach, I feel like we, uh, we're going to head into the final three, I think. I point, believe but, you are correct. Uh, last big question here. Is, is Peach just choosing to be kidnapped now? Uh, I think that my, my, a lot of people, it's a very easy theory to be like, hey, well, Peach, she, you know, she, she's getting it on with Bowser behind the scenes. That's such an easy one. I like to think that she loves Mario and she is letting herself get captured, but that's because she wants Mario to like, you know, she loves the chase and she wants Mario okay. 
you know, and Mario obviously loves the chase as well because he's always doing it very happily. And uh, these Nintendo games, he's always like, Yahoo! you know, he's very happy to do these things. <laughs> so clearly, you know, there's there's a there's a little bit of like, a, okay, Bowser's gonna try to kidnap me. And Mario honestly kind of confirmed that for me because she's just kind of like chilling, and Mario and Bowser kind of just duking it out for her to marry her. And the game just ends with her and the female Cappy just kind of going off and doing their own thing. And I just think that that was great. Like, I just love, I love the image of Mario and Bowser with their heads down. So defeated. It was, it was great. Very true. Great storytelling. (laughs) Oh man. Excellent. Well, uh, we will now go into uh, what we like to refer to as the Trevin Adams Memorial question, even though uh, Trevin's not dead. Trevin, if you're listening, hi, how you doing? Uh, So the question goes thusly. uh, It's late at night. You're doing the drives like uh, our friend Uncle Bob Evans likes to say to do. uh, And you're hungry. Uh, You are looking for something to eat. We're going to pretend you're not in an area where every fast food joint isn't open 24 hours now. Uh, But you come over the hill and there's a shining beacon of light in front of you. Is that Shining Beacon a sheet, or is that Shining Beacon a Wawa? Oh, man. You really wanted to do this. So, (laughs) oh, man. It's like I've had this conversation in, like, cars and stuff like that, but now it's, like, it's public, and I'm kind of nervous now. There's judgment to me. I'm I'm stuck. I'm stuck with with whatever decision I make in this very second and moment. Um, I'm going to give context so that people don't kill me. (laughs) Um, I grew up on Wawa. In wrestling, I should say. Like, I, I was I was going to Jersey way more often than PA earlier on in my career. And I, we'd always go to Wawa. I have a, a super, super, super soft spot for Wawa. I know exactly what I want. I know exactly how to get it. I know exactly what kind of candy and stuff I'm going to do. And all that's just this and that. You know, I'm good. I love Wawa. Sheets lately has been hitting a lot for me. Like, I've been really enjoying Sheets. I've only recently discovered Sheets. I've probably been going to Wawa for the last two, three-something years. You know, in wrestling, really, consistently. Sheets, I just discovered, like, I've only been to Sheets probably four or five times, and every single time I've loved it. Um, I think it's Sheets and Wawa, it's a little bit more complicated, and I've agreed to this with most of my friends. So I think Sheets has a better candy and accessory food selection. So, like, I can go in there, I can get the Sheets cotton candy soda, I can get, like, way more candies and, and chocolates and brownies and pastries, um, all this, this and that. They got the mac and cheese bites. They got mozzarella. They, they got way more options and variety. I think Wawa has just the better sandwiches and hoagies and all that. Like I just think they just they just hit better. So I said it depends on my mood, but honestly, I'm leaning a bit more towards sheets because I love onion rings. I love mozzarella sticks, mac and cheese bites all that stuff, fried foods, especially after a show. And I'm just like, okay, I just want to treat myself. I deserve it. I just, I just, I just, I just killed myself a little bit. I, I got to roll with, I got to roll with, you know, the comfort fried foods and a nice sheet soda. Like, so I think I'm probably getting more towards sheets. I think it's close though. Like Wawa, I do love a lot. I know this is a cop out, but I, I, I'm saying sheets, but I gave you context. So don't, you did. Me. That's okay. No, don't worry. In my book, you are perfectly fine. You have nothing to worry about in this one. Uh, I am going to make one Mr. Zacharmero ask the final two questions while taking that L, though. So, <laughs> Leroy, it was really great having you on the show. Really. <laughs> oh, man. See, see what you made uh, me do. You guys uh, did love- to me. We do it to everybody. Don't feel bad. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, uh, our final two questions here. So, obviously, we talked earlier about this. Professional wrestling being an art form, being a performance art. 
Mm. And unfortunately, in that realm, we lose a lot of talent early. And so that being said, um, if there was any talent that's no longer with us, be that a wrestler died early or manager or promoter or anybody mm. involved in wrestling that's no longer alive, who would you want to work with most and why? Uh, I think that like years ago, I probably would have like said like Eddie Guerrero. Um, I, I think that uh, uh, Eddie Guerrero. Yeah, I that's why I thought about it and stuff. I said, you know, years ago I would have said that because I think everybody would have said that. I think that just wrestling and working with him in any capacity, I could have learned so much. Um, obviously, before he did what he did in his last day on earth, or last few days, I should say, uh, Chris Benoit probably would have been up there. Um, you know, just off of the wrestling ability alone, and I was a fan of his. You know, uh, as a wrestler, um. I would say now, though, honestly, I'd probably just want my dude, my my, my brother, Matt Travis. Uh, he's a guy that I wrestled a lot earlier on in my career. Uh, obviously, he passed away like two years ago. Um, and I just, I we wrestled each other so often. We trained together so much that, like, we could literally probably just hop in a ring and just wrestle, and it would be awesome. <laughs> and, like, we just knew each other so well. We we never had to talk much. It was just, we knew what we, we knew who we were. We knew what we were going for. And it was just always on site, you know, and we I like to think he brought out the best in me. Um, I'd like to hope that I brought out a little something in him as well. And I, I just always thought I'd be wrestling that dude forever. You know, I, I, I took very much so for granted, you know, and I was just like, man, I'm going to wrestle this dude forever. Every company, this, this and that. Anytime I debut, he's going to be right behind me ready to just just give me a kick to the face or whatever. <laughs> um so I would say it would definitely be Matt Travis. Um, I could, I, I would legit just anything to wrestle him anywhere and everywhere because that's my dude and way too soon taken from us. Beautiful. And that's that's actually the first time we've ever had an answer quite like that of like coming back around to it. So that's incredible. Um, our second question here. Uh, we here at the IndyCast believe that every animal in nature is given certain evolutionary traits to ensure its survival. So for instance, giraffes have long necks, rhinos have big horns, etc., etc. Our belief mm-hmm. is that human beings as an animal, their evolutionary trait is their ability to use tools. So with that being said, big game Leroy, if you could fight any animal, what would it be and what weapon would you use? I got to fight an animal. <laughs> I'm like, dang. All right. Um I, I feel like I'm like, do I pick something? Do I pick something easy? Do, do I? Do I? I'm trying to think now. Um, now I, we will not. I'm not looking to to corner you or by any means. However, we do allow for, um, I, I, what would we call it? Uh, mythical creature. There you go. So I got to battle a uh, battle this this animal, and I get a tool. Like so. What are the limits on the tools? Can I? Can it be like? <laughs> Funny you ask. Uh, not a lot. <laughs> um, we have had everything from uh, uh, lightsabers to uh, the oh, goblin man. glider was used at one point. That's oh, true. Geez. I could just. Uh, all right. I mean, I guess uh, I'll fight a bear with a flamethrower. <laughs> all right. Nice. There we like, go. I feel like that's a pretty easy win, partly because you know I have the flamethrower, a lot of fur. They're pretty big. I, I just can't miss. And once I once a little bit of flames get on it, it's it's on fire. Although I will still say I'm probably gonna do the job to the bear because the bear's gonna be on fire. 
and then still squish me and still destroy me as it's burning and burning up. I was just going to say, a bear on fire sounds like the final boss to any game I would have played in 1997. <laughs> I, yeah, I got to hope I have an life for that one. Isn't it, isn't it pretty much the end of Altered Beast? I think that's Oh, that's like... true. I think it is. So. And there's Chad's ancient reference. Boom, Thank got you. it at the end. Honestly, honestly, I was like, I'm not familiar with that one. Oh, <laughs> God. And, yes. and Thanos just snapped at the end and of the episode. Well, as I turn to dust, uh, Leroy, this is the part of the episode where one Mr. Brian Cage officially has given us permission to call. Get your shit in. Uh, tell people where they can uh, find your social media, uh, buy your merchandise, etc., etc. The floor is yours. Okay. Well, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Big Game Leroy. Made it pretty easy. Easy to spell. All right there. Um, you can add me on Facebook if people still use Facebook. Leroy Green. Can't change the name. Zuckerberg won't let me. Sorry. Not sorry. Um, and then you can buy my merchandise straight from my merchandise page, prowrestlingtees.com slash buy Big Game Leroy. I mean, you can't buy the full Big Game Leroy, but, you know, you can sort of get a T-shirt of mine. It's sort of like buying me, you know? Well, Just, and, and, and yeah. please, please buy this buy this young man's merch. I'm seeing here on Mercari – uh, for Resident Evil Chainsaw Controller, it's one hundred and sixty dollars right now, plus ten dollars shipping. So he's got to work. He's got to work to earn that and get that uh, <laughs> that deathmatch material put together. So uh, make sure you're supporting him. Uh, yes, yes, on social please. media and financially wherever possible. You uh, thank you, thank you. Um, and that's pretty much it. I don't really. Uh, does anybody does anybody use uh you know AOL AIM anymore? No, my I wish. Uh, yeah, I feel like the next evolution of wrestling Twitter is just somebody just going, why don't we just all jump to MySpace or something? And then we just jump to MySpace and we make it the most popping thing ever. That's <laughs> true. I, I feel like somebody's going to try to bring ICQ back. I'm going to really ancient myself on that one, too. <laughs> How is the dust turning to dust? How does that work? <laughs> it just starts. <laughs> you know, the... Oh, man. I like the fact that he brought up AIM. That's actually how that's actually how my wife and I met, interestingly enough. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. Right. There you go. So yeah. uh, well, uh Leroy, once again, we want to thank you for, for joining us on the Indicaf today and for all of the wrestling nerds out there. Uh thank you for tuning in once again. Uh until next time, everybody. I am as always Chad Allen. I'm Zach Romero. And until next time, everybody, we always say a jump scare is the Canadian destroyer of horror films. Pardon me. Might I suck my own dick for a second? I'm ready to greet the day, you fucker. <laughs> Every single one of you guys has made a horrible decision. <laughs> it's that dirty-ass Meryl Street. We are. We're touching wieners. Not touching wieners good. professionally. Ric Flair said fuck a six-pack, and he never lost an ounce of pussy. What I am is a big, queer, stone-cold Steve Austin. Birds don't give a fuck about your life.